Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Judges. Good morning, faithful listeners, and happy Friday. You know, this summer has just been uncharacteristically cold for my area. So how's the weather been for you guys? I'd love to know. I'd love to hear from you guys. I haven't gotten an email from you guys in a while. What is happening? Why aren't you guys emailing me? You're going to find my email information in the description of this podcast episode. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to email me and tell me what the weather is in your area, what state or country or area you live in, and also what is your favorite color? And I will answer that question right now. My favorite color is blue. I absolutely love the color blue. Most of the clothing I wear is blue. I have a ton of blue shoes. If you'll notice the P40 Ministries merch store, everything is blue. In fact, the website itself is primarily blue. (laughs) And also the color of P40 is like a nice teal Tiffany blue. I like blue. And so my house, when I first moved in here, everything was like from the 90s. It was peach and pink and orange and I did not like it at all. So I've slowly been switching all the colors over to nice light blues, just like I like, except for my bedroom, which I painted a very, very dark navy blue. And it turned out amazing, actually, shockingly. Shockingly, it turned out so good. My husband was terrified when I started putting the paint on the wall, but he likes it now and I also love it. All right, guys, let's go ahead and read. Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 8. This is talking about God humbling people. So we're going to get into that today. Make sure to grab your cup of coffee to enjoy along with me. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. this morning. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and all the people who are with him, rose up early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. Midian's camp was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Yahweh said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel brag against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Yahweh said to Gideon, There are still too many people. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. It shall be that those whom I tell you, this shall go with you, shall go with you. And whoever I tell you, this shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought down the people to the water. And Yahweh said to Gideon, Everyone who laps of the water with his tongue, like a dog laps, you shall set him by himself. Likewise, anyone who bows down on his knees to drink. The number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But the rest of the people bowed down on their knees to drink water. Yahweh said to Gideon, I will save you by the 300 men who lapped and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, each to his own place. So the people took food in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of the men of Israel to their own tents, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was beneath him in the valley. This bit of scripture actually reminds me of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about how he is going to boast in his weaknesses rather than just boasting because he thinks he's great or something. So I'm going to turn over to 2 Corinthians 12 and read this for you real quick at the NLT version. And this is verses 1 through 10. Paul says, 
This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I do not know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body. But I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged to the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So that story from 2 Corinthians, where Paul received the, the thorn in his flesh, is actually kind of similar to the story here in Judges chapter 7, because Paul experienced so many cool things. He was like brought up to heaven, whether in his body or out of his body, he's not sure, but he was brought up into heaven and he heard like all these revelations and secret things from God that he wasn't allowed to write about. I mean, that's a cool experience. Not many people experience something like that in their lifetime, but Paul was able to experience that. But yet Paul says he's not going to boast about that experience because God wants him to remain humble and God sent a thorn in his flesh to humble him. And of course, we have no clue what the thorn in the flesh is. So many people like to talk about it and like to analyze what it might be. But Paul gave us no clues as to what a thorn in the flesh could possibly mean. But it was something that tormented him and it was something that kept him from becoming too proud and Paul actually begged God to take it away three separate times, but God said, no, my grace is made perfect in weakness. So the reason Paul had that thorn in the flesh for as long as he did was because God wanted to display his power through weakness, because that is when God's power is made perfect. Because when we're fighting against God with our own power, we are getting in God's way. You know, and yes, he can work through that and he does work through that all the time because we're always, you know, fighting against God. Basically, that's like what human nature exists to do, basically, is fight against God. But God can still work through that. But when we are weak, that is when God really shines through us. So that's what happens here in Judges chapter seven. God actually tells Gideon like, hey, you've got too many people here. You've got 32,000 people. And yeah, you were able to recruit so many, but you got too many people here. And and if I try to work with these 32,000 men that you have, they're going to become arrogant against me. Here's what it says in verse two. Yahweh said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel brag against me, saying my own hand has saved me. So God knew that something would happen. Something arrogant would happen if he allowed all 32,000 men to go down and to take Midian. The Midianite army was huge. We'll find out later on that 
even Israel's 32,000 men like didn't even compare to the thousands and thousands more Midianite warriors that there were. So even 32,000 men was very small as compared to Midian's army. But those 32,000 men, God, God was like, nah, there's too many people here because they're going to become arrogant if they go down and take the Midianite army. So God says, anybody who is scared, tell them to go home. And it's kind of a shocking amount of people who are scared. It says that 22,000 of the men returned home and 10,000 remained. <laughs> so 22,000 of those men didn't even want to be there. <laughs> Which is shocking to me because of how cruel the Midianites really were to the Israeli people. You would think that Israel would want to fight, but they didn't want to fight. They were too scared, especially since it says here in verse eight that the Israelites could actually see the Midianite army. Here's what it says. The camp of Midian was beneath him in the valley. So the Israelites could see the Midianite army clear as day and how vast the Midianites army really was. So 22,000 men return home. Trembling is what it says. Fearful and trembling. And God took the glory of the battle away from those men. Because if they don't want to go to battle to begin with, if they don't have enough faith to go into that battle, knowing that God is going to be with them and knowing God is going to protect them, God took that honor of the glory away from those particular men. You're going to see that all throughout scripture, God is working to humble people. Arrogance is the worst sin, actually. Pride, rather, is the worst sin, according to God. That is the number one sin that God hates. Because pride is pretty much the one sin that starts all the other sins, if that makes sense. It's like pride is like the root of all evil. Because even look at the Garden of Eden when Eve took the fruit from the serpent she had pride in her heart. She wanted to become like God. She felt pride. And so she took a bite of that fruit. And then that's when all the problems started. It all started with pride at the very beginning. So God is always working to humble people. It actually says in scripture that pride comes before the fall. The fall being like the fall of yourself, the fall of man. Pride comes before all of that. So pride is not good. And all throughout scripture, you can see how God is working with people to make them less prideful. Jesus himself was like the pinnacle of humility. Like if you look at Jesus, he didn't boast about himself. He wasn't prideful in any way. He was a servant, even though he didn't have to be. He was God in human flesh, and yet he washed people's feet, and he hung out with the most undesirable crowd, and he wasn't scared to associate himself with the lowliest people. He himself was born in a stinky manger <laughs> with like the smell of, of goat poop near him. That's where he was born was in a manger. He was the pinnacle of humility throughout everything. And we're supposed to emulate Jesus. But even in the Old Testament, before Jesus came down to earth, God was always working to humble people. 
And so he humbles the Israelites here by sending the ones who were scared home. And 10,000 men remained. But God's like, no, there's still too many men here. So I'm going to do another test for you. So he says, bring the men that remain down to the water and put them into two groups. Group one is going to be the guys that like lap up the water out of their hands, like cup the water and lap it up out of their hands. And the other group will be all the men that kneel down and drink with their like face in the water. (laughs) So why would God administer this test? Perhaps it was because he knew that less men were going to like cup their hands and drink the water. Because if these men were super thirsty, if you think about that, they've been traveling for a while. They haven't gotten a chance to drink anything yet. They're setting up their their tents. They haven't gotten a chance to rest. Cupping the, the water in your hands is a much harder way to get a drink of water, if you think about it. Because the water like falls out between all the, the cracks in your fingers. <laughs> and even me, when I drink water, I literally put my face up to the faucet. And like drink the water like out of the faucet that way. And I'm, I'm sure there's other people out there that do the same thing as me. I do not cut my hands like under the water and drink out of my hands. I want the water in my mouth as quickly as possible because I'm thirsty and, <laughs> and I want to get a drink. So if you think about it, less people were in fact going to put their hands in the water to cup it out and to drink it that way because it would be uh, much harder to get the water into your mouth. So it shows a level of patience that certain men had in order to cup the water in their hands and drink it that way versus the guys who like literally stuck their face in the water to get a drink. But it turns out that 300 men ended up cupping the water in their hands versus the other uh, (laughs) however many that uh, drank by putting their entire face in the water. Now, I've read other commentaries and I've heard sermons about this portion before about how cupping the water in your hands also showed a different level of integrity for those particular men that did that. Not just the patience that I mentioned, but also that they were more aware of their surroundings, especially if the Midianite army was very close. The men who cupped the water in their hands and drank it that way were watching their surroundings to make sure that everybody was safe. It just kind of showed like another level of integrity, if that makes sense as well. Well, anyway, only 300 men end up cupping the water in their hands and drinking it that way. And so Gideon sends the rest of the army away, all the ones that didn't pass the drinking test. And he sends them all away and he's left with an army of 300 people. That's like that's like the size of a, a church, like not even a big church service, but like kind of a medium sized church service. <laughs> I don't know, like that's not a lot of people. If you think about it, 300 men to defeat an army of literally tens of thousands is nothing. But yet God was going to allow each of these 300 men the honor of being allowed to participate in this battle and receive some of the glory of this particular battle. Even though God was going to do all the work, God was humbling Israel. Not to mention that, remember what I talked about the other day, 
Israel needed to see another miracle from God. And this was the perfect chance for God to display his power to all of Israel once again by showing that he can defeat an army of tens of thousands with only 300 people or even less than that. God can do anything. And so that's why we have nothing to boast about because God does it all. He can do anything. He can defeat an army of tens of thousands with just a few people. He can part seas. He can move mountains. He created the mountains. He can move them however he wants to move them. He can do whatever he wants to do. You and I have nothing to boast about. We were created by God. Everything that we have already, all of our talents, all of our money, all of our income, all of our family was all given to us by God to begin with. We've got nothing to boast about. That's why humility is so important. And what's so cool is that when we're humble, when we allow God to work in our weaknesses, that's when we see God's power on display even more so. I watched a documentary recently with my husband called Free Burma Rangers, and I highly recommend it. It was produced by Francis Chan, and it's talking about this guy, I forget his name, but he's the leader of the Free Burma Rangers, which are basically a group of people that um, were in Burma, now Myanmar, that went around just helping a war-torn area. But it turned out that the Free Burma Rangers, a few of them, ended up going to Iraq during the middle of the Iraqi war. And that was the coolest part of the entire documentary to me because they were literally walking into gunfire to get people out of there. And like they weren't getting touched by this gunfire. And they had this all documented. All of them, of course, they were Christians and they're all giving God the glory for this. Because they had nothing to protect themselves with. It was like a few men up against tons of Iraqi soldiers that were shooting at them. And yet these few men were able to rescue so many people out of that gunfire and not to get touched by it. So God's power really is made so much more mighty, so much more glorious when we allow him to work with our weaknesses. That's why we don't have to worry when it seems like the world is against us, just like this Midianite army was against Israel. We don't have to worry because God is so much more powerful than anybody on earth. He's so much more powerful than any person on earth today, any country on earth today. God is in charge of literally everything. And if you allow him to work, even when it seems like you've got nothing that can help you, God can certainly help you and he will help you. And he's going to use those weaknesses, those flaws that you think you have to do amazing things. All you have to have is faith, faith that God can work through you and with you. The same kind of faith that Gideon had here, even though I'm sure Gideon was terrified to be left with only 300 men. He maintained faith and God is about to do really, really cool things through Gideon. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed that delicious cup of coffee that you drank while listening to the Bible Explained podcast. 
And you know, if you want to support a great coffee company, check out Seven Weeks Coffee. It is linked in the description of this podcast episode. Seven Weeks Coffee supports life in the womb. And their coffee is really good as well. And they now offer ground coffee. So get some Seven Weeks Coffee, but use the link in the description. That is my link to Seven Weeks Coffee. Well, anyway, friends and faithful listeners, I will see you all on Monday. Yes, I am going to be doing an episode on Monday, even though it is Labor Day. But it's going to be a different episode, but it is going to be a very interesting episode, I think, anyway. I hope it's interesting to you guys. All right, have a wonderful long weekend. I will see you guys on Monday. Until then, happy listening, and God bless. Thank you.